Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's Eye Critical Care Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Fraser. Today I'll be speaking with Jean-Baptiste Lachereau, MD, about his article, Antibiotic Therapy in Comatose Mechanically Ventilated Patients Following Aspiration, Differentiating Pneumonia from Pneumonitis. This was an article published in Critical Care Medicine. Many patients who are intubated for a reduced level of consciousness are assumed to have aspirated. The question of whom to treat with antibiotics is debated amongst intensivists on morning ward rounds the world over. This study sought to explore this question in more detail. Before we begin, Jean-Baptiste, have you got any disclosures to declare? Uh, No, any. Jean-Baptiste, your study looked at 250 consecutive patients who were ventilated because of a reduction in their conscious state. Can you tell us about the study and how you went about it? Um, so we include the patient prospectively, uh, all patients uh, who didn't uh, get antibiotics for another uh, cause, like uh, uh, meningitis or septic shock or other. And uh, after their admission, we follow them. Um, and when we have a clinical, radiological and biological signs of, uh, of pneumonia, suspected pneumonia, uh, we perform um, a telescopic plugged catheter under a fibroscopy, under a, um, yes, fibrotic uh, uh, endoscopy, sorry. And uh, we, at day two or day three, uh, we assess the, the results of the lung sampling and uh, if the, the lung sample um, was uh, positive with uh, any bacteria, um, a pair of the threshold uh, that we choose, um, we adapt. There is a desescalation uh, um, procedure uh, to, to restrain the, the antibiotic therapy. And if the, the culture was sterile or under the threshold, um, we stop the antibiotics and we follow patients further uh, until day eight. Um, and we had very few recurrence of, uh, of the signs of the, the the respiratory signs, only two patients need uh, need further uh, antibiotic uh, therapy again. To summarise then, you followed patients who were intubated for a low conscious state, who didn't have another indication for antibiotics, and if they developed an aspiration syndrome, you commenced them on presumptive antibiotics and then perform a protected bronchoscopic sample for microbiology, and this sample would then allow you to de-escalate or withdraw antibiotic therapy. How did you go about defining what the aspiration syndrome was? We use uh, um, a definition that we uh, adapt from the ventilator associated pneumonia definition from Chastefragon, a French colleague. Um, And we have clinical signs uh, like uh, body temperature greater uh, than or equal to uh, 38.5 uh, Celsius or less than 35.5. And we, with uh, biological evidence, leucocities upper than two, uh, than, sorry, 10, uh, 10,000, uh, or leucopenia uh, up um, lower than 4,000. And uh, those uh, clinical and biological signs must be associated with perulent tracheobronchial aspirate. Um, and uh, this is the definition of the clinical suspicion, clinical biological inhalation pneumonia suspicion, which lead to a, a systematic um, lung sample like uh, with a teleco- telescopic plug catheter. So of the 250 consecutive patients that you studied, 92 met the criteria for an aspiration pneumonitis. What can you tell us about what happened to these patients? 
and there is a 43 with bacterial aspiration pneumonia, so the, the lung sample was positive, um, and uh, 49 with aspiration pneumonitis uh, for, for whom the uh, lung sample was negative. It would be very useful to be able to predict which patients are at risk of getting infected uh, pneumonitis as a result of their aspiration. From this study, were you able to determine whether there were any factors that might uh, increase the risk? We, we choose to test uh, several um, possibly or, or awaited um, predictive factors like uh, history of macroaspiration, vomiting, the time from the command set to the upper airway protection uh, in terms of, of minutes, um, or the leukocyte count at uh, hospital admission or ICU admission, or the procalcitonin. Um, but um, finally, we didn't find uh, any um, any of those predictive factors which is uh, significantly associated with the, the, the bacterial or the chemical um, um, cause of the of the of the pneumonia and this is not in contrast with the the very few uh, literature which is present uh, before because uh, there is a um, a previous paper in the critical care medicine um from uh, uh, El Sol which find the same uh, the same answer for the procalcitonin uh, which was dedicated uh, only on the procalcitonin uh, um, evolution Jean-Baptiste, one of the interesting things that I took from this study was the outcomes for those who had infected pneumonitis compared with those who had non-infected pneumonitis. What can you tell us about that? Uh, yes, um, when we follow the patient uh, until um, ICU discharge or until day eight um, and we analyse uh, the dose in the two groups, there is no... Um, Significant, uh, significant difference in terms of uh, ICU stay, uh, length of stay or hospital length of stay or ICU mortality. Um, so um, it's not a randomized trial, but we, we can maybe uh, um, expect that there is no difference in terms of morbidity and mortality um, in, the, in the two groups. So um, we can maybe think that uh, it's safe to... Um, to withdraw or to withhold uh, antibiotics in the specific context of uh, inhalation pneumonia when the lung sample was negative. So what sort of patients are we talking about here? How generalizable is this to other ICU populations? The, the, the main majority of patients was the drug poisoning uh, subgroup, uh, which is uh, one-third of patients. Um, before, uh, after that, uh, we have... Uh, 30% of patients uh, after cardiac arrest, because this is the, uh, a patient with inhalation pneumonia syndrome occurred uh, very, very large uh, uh, frequency. Um, in some, some studies, it's uh, like 50%. And after that, we have a patient uh, with a status uh, epilepticus or epilepsy. Jean-Baptiste, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank, thank you to invite me. This concludes another edition of the Eye Critical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash eyecriticalcare for more information. For the Eye Critical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Todd Fraser. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care.
speak with a customer service representative, or visit www.sccm.org membership for more information. Todd Fraser, MD, is an intensive care and retrieval medicine physician from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. He is a staff specialist at Nusa Hospital and is the founder of Osler Technology, a clinical certification and training system. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.